This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and we're uh, relaxed a little bit but we're still feeling quite vibed up because we've had a really, really excellent weekend off the back of a fantastic win against Leeds United at the weekend now and it's international break so we can relax because we know that Saturday we don't have to worry about winning or drawing or who's going to be playing or any malarkey like that. We can actually put our feet up, get on the sofa get a hot chocolate, watch the television and have a chill out zone. Maybe even on the sunbed, Phil. Might even be on the sunbed, some of us may be and some of us may not be. But listen, anyway, we're back in West London, we're in the George the Fourth pub, wonderful pub, right in the middle of Chiswick High Road, we were down the toilets just now, um, as you do, uh, <laughs> sorry, that didn't come out too well, did it? And we saw a sticker. On the, on the wall there, it was the Leeds United fans had obviously been here before the game, so uh, the word has probably spread far as to how good um, these pubs are in West London. So the Leeds United fans, they didn't go to Brentford, they decided to come to Chiswick to have their pre-match drink. And they also thought that's probably the best result that they had today, actually getting the sticker to stay on the wall. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. But anyway, it's been a great week, little and large week as well. I'm Billy Grant. And like I said, I've still got a beaming face. Um, beaming because probably, shouldn't be beaming because I think I left the pub about what, half twelve, one o'clock and left the Globe on, on Saturday night and I, I left characters in there as well. Um, they're all having hot chocolate, of course. Hot chocolate and, um, and chamomile tea. You know, I also had a chamomile tea as well when we left because that's what happens at that time. But it was a, a very, very, very good evening. It was like a sort of like augmented evening because everything sort of happened a bit later. 5.30 kick-off, went to finish, finish, finish at 7.30. By the time we got back, it was 8, 8.30. We sat down and watched the, uh, the football show on 5. So we watched all the game, the goals going in. We saw the Brentford goal live. Everyone was cheering. It was absolutely teeping tremendous. But like I said, I'm Billy Grant, sitting in the pub. I've got a few characters, and they're all smiling here as well. And I'm going to say hello to them. Right, we got the man Jimmy Mack. He's not been here for a year. Last game was QPR, apparently, wasn't it? Yeah, last appearance was QPR away last year. Um, yeah, long time no speak, but yeah, good to be back. Thanks for having me. Good to have you back as well. And like I said, last time I was in the banker overlooking the river. It was a very good view. We had the QPR man in the house. We had a right good drink up. And then a few days later, we smashed him off the park and it was very nice. Yeah, it's always... Um, I, was, I, I broke the mould of my family. I was, oh, my family are a QPR family. Duh, duh, duh. And I'm the first one to go away from QPR. So it's always particularly sweet. And uh, we were in the banker that day. And QPR has become a bit of a banker since. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to the game in, uh, was it Monday week? 
Indeed, indeed. And listen, maybe we should have got you in for next week's podcast and you could have just done a, a year anniversary. Could have got you a cake and sung to you and everything. I could have brought my brother with me, actually. That would have been, that would have been a laugh. That would have been, still can. That interesting, like, you know. We have the Allard. The Allard is back. The Allard, how art thou? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm all... What did you say? I didn't even hear what you said. How art thou? Oh, how art thou? Yeah, good. Good. Um, just um, enjoying coming back here, you know. It's a decent pub, this one. Um, it's open mic night again. So um, we'll be obviously we'll be getting on the stage later and um, dancing, dancing, and um, I don't know. You bought your guitar, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, um, I think we could finish the podcast off with a live Hey Jude, maybe. <laughs> Excellent stuff. So um, yeah, so sounds good. And um, plenty to talk about today as well with the Allard. And I've got Lady Man Laney. He's just uh, basically he thought you know he's going to sort of show his face the last day before he starts rubbing the suntan lotion into his loins and all sorts of stuff. My loins. <laughs> Blimey, mate, you're getting in the toilets. You got, you, you seems like you've got a few issues here. Um, I'm, no, I'm not going away quite yet. I haven't booked anything, but I think I might. I might tuck into a bit of sunshine. Um, I am really good, mate. Um, three wins in a week is always good. Um, we went into those three games wondering if we were going to get three points, let alone nine. Um, it's, been, it's been brilliant, and it's, uh, it's, it's, we've been waiting for it for a long time, and now it's here. We're, we're kind of really smiling. We're see, the season has started at last. We've, we, we've played a bit catch-up, and we are now breathing down the necks of where we thought we would. So, Which is absolutely TV Tremendous, great news. And I want to say as well, just quickly, I'm going to get this out of the way early. Don't forget you can catch us on iTunes, Acast, and all the good podcast sites. You can go on there. You can also, especially on iTunes, you can go in there. You can subscribe to us. Do that now. Push the button, subscribe, and also... Leave us a little note because people have gone down there. There's loads of notes left, and you can also rate us as well. If it goes up the ratings, it gets higher. More people listen to us, and you've been fantastic. And we need to give you a shout out. We haven't given shout outs for a few few weeks for a few characters out there who have given us the old ratings on iTunes. Thank you to It's the BNA as well. Do you get that? You didn't play it. It's the B. You get it. It's the BNA. Yes. Do you like it? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> But still, made us a wicked comment. Nice long comment as well. You go in there, you can read that as well. Mrs. Chander as well has, has given us a big up as well on, on, on iTunes. And Barksby as well, or Berksby, Berkshire, Berkshire, Barksby. So it's Barksby. You say Berkshire. Is it Berksby for you? I'd say Berksby. I don't, I don't know him or her personally, but I'll go Berksby. I think Barksby anyway but maybe Barksby or Berksby can actually email us and let us know what it is as well and also Yorkshire Bee as well who uh, gave us a nice comment and also commented on the fact that uh, he or she feels that uh, the Liberal has had an overexposure to Scrumpy as well so uh, I think the, the Liberals are getting a bit of a Liberal Nick's getting a bit of a reputation isn't he? That's the only Liberal comment that we can actually read out <laughs> Indeed you know anyway but listen Great week or great weekend as well. Great, great eight days. Like I said, three games, one three games, one in eight days, and we're going back to Saturday. And it was interesting on Saturday because, like I say to you, it's a bit of a little and large scenario that happened as well. I don't know if everyone saw the situation with Barbe came into head to head with a uh, Leeds star player Saeed, and uh, Saeed ran into Barbe's chest. Now, he ran into Barbe's chest and he tried to antagonise him and Barbe burned him as it was. Like, you know, he did a sort of head, sort of kind of I'm taller than you type thing going on, which apparently he's gotten a little bit of trouble for. But he did that, which has got a ridiculous amount of retweets, I think about 120,000 retweets or something like that. So everyone in the world has seen this, the burning of Saeed by Barbe. And he got in a bit of trouble as well, didn't he, Amy? 
it Saeed or Saez? I think it was Saez. I think I think it's um it's a it's size, isn't it? It's kind of like it's a play on size. It's like ironic. Yeah, he did get not massively trouble, but he's had to explain that he hasn't got a problem with short people. Like this is like ridiculous. This is like politically correctness gone mad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, that political. Of course, of course, you're uh, joking, you know. Of course, no, you, you've been looking yeah, for yeah. you've been looking for it. You've been looking for an excuse to say yeah, that, you know. Time, the first time we've been able to say that on this podcast. <laughs> That's right, you know. It's just like it's just use that as any excuse just because we don't agree with something. But anyway, go on. Uh, well, I've, I've got to ta- I've got to take the task of it, Lanny. As a man who is uh, probably only five foot five myself, I was hoping this could be the catalyst for smallism to be uh, identified as a real problem. I thought maybe we could, uh, you know, address these. Uh, um, these men like Barbe and, and fight back. Maybe we could sign. I think Jade Tab's a free agent. We can re-sign him as the man to spearlead, uh, spearhead our small man recovery. Um, this, is, this isn't working, is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. You never know. Maybe by the end of the evening, we'll all be with you on this one. But I just had a little think, okay, and I just thought, actually, I mean, like size. He went in there and he properly went at Barbe, and Barbe very coolly just gave him a knockback. And I'm just wondering, has anyone around here had a situation where you've taken the piss out of somebody and then you've turned around and you've been properly burned where they've just turned around to you and said, there you go, and you've had it put back in your face? Jimmy? Well, I used to play football a few years ago. Um, yeah, not to any standard, but like the Elms League in like Feltham. And uh, I remember being like nowhere near, obviously anywhere near the calibre of Paul Gascoigne, but where a hero of mine he was. And like, I thought if I can't play like him, I can be wacky like him maybe. And like felt it was a bit of a rough and ready area, and we were playing against this team, and, and me and this fella had a bit of a bit of a square up, and uh, tackle goes in. We both stand up, chest to chest. And at that point, in felt it's more appropriate to maybe put your head in, throw a headbutt, or throw the right hook, maybe. But I thought, what can I do to really sort of like mess this guy's head? So I grabbed him and I gave him a big kiss on the lips, and the guy was uh, very much uh, very much phased. Uh, uh, freaked out by my uh, by my attempt of humour to diffuse the situation, uh, the game was finished early, and the whole five side team met me at my car at full time, and uh, I very, very very narrowly escaped alive. Actually, I still to this day wonder how <laughs> the window were, the windows weren't smashed. And probably mainly to do with my teammates. Uh, yeah, so it was the last time I tried to be a bit crazy on a footy pitch. But um, yeah, that's that's my one. Um, Lainey, I think you might um, you've been talking about this as well, and uh, you've you've been you've been burning your days, haven't you? Yeah, like Joan of Arc. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah. This was, this is, this is, yeah. I, this is almost like a bloody confession. This one, um, Stockport away. Oh, what was it? Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. I don't know. We got a train up to Stockport at ridiculous o'clock, and we were playing spoof in Yates's Wine Lodge, and we were on the Morgan Spice or whatever, whatever the version they sell in there is. And um, a few drinks had been consumed before the game. Let's put it that way. And people of a certain age and people of a certain calibre will remember Bernie Watson. What a, you know, what a fan Bernie Watson was. Bloke that used to wear a big sheepskin coat or a big long leather coat, and he'd smuggle a Alsatian in to most games, home or away. And um, my, one of my first ever memories of Bernie was standing on the Elian Road Terrace with a full-grown Alsatian stretching the lead, trying to get the away goalkeeper. But Bernie, Bernie was a troubled soul. He liked a few drinks as well, and um, he, he'd always, he'd always, he was like a magnet to trouble. Anyway, this this one game he'd, at Stockport, he'd, he'd the cardinal sin of encroaching onto the the, the the yellow lines behind the goal. 
and uh, he'd been warned three or four times and the police had come in and they tried to remove him from the game and I went down because I knew Bernie quite well and I, I, I tried to have a word and to get him off of it and he got worse and worse and worse and worse and more talk, more trouble I got in and the policeman ended up going for his truncheon and I just made some sort of real rude comment about the size of his truncheon I ended up being thrown into the restraining cell behind the goal arrested and I had to go back up to Stockport and they tried to have a banning order put on me so um, I got off of it and you know but that was like me and my big mouth and I, I thought I'd be clever with this policeman and I ended up being arrested for, so anyway there you go it's like sometimes shut your gob <laughs> yeah Lord, are you still chilling on this one yeah, you got here? yeah I mean I, these sort of things this, this won't this probably won't work because you won't be able to visualise it but um, so I, so football, big thing for me. Also motocross. Used to go to loads of motocross races, off-road motorbikes. Used to go with my mates. Um, probably five or six of us had a few beers. And, to, and at motocross off-road, so you got to kind of sometimes scramble up some slopes. It was really wet and muddy. And there was this big slope, just off a road, big slope. And you had to get up there to get to the next bit of the track or you had to walk miles out your way. So everyone else had a go. And basically there's a bit of carnage on the... On the, on the hillside, people falling over, not quite getting up to the top, grabbing trees, sliding back down. And um, I thought this was brilliant. I thought, I'm going to nail this. I was right at the bottom on the road, getting ready. Everyone was watching me. Started running, running towards the hill, then clipped the curve with my right foot and fell flat on my face. <laughs> That's a shame. And, and my one, I mean, it's, it's quite hard to think of these ones, but I, I, I'm thinking of one which is sort of slightly football-related, but not really. It was actually the day after we played, Car- um, played um, Stoke City in the final at Cardiff. And I remember going to Stoke City, we went to, went to Cardiff, played them in the final, we lost 3-0, absolutely gutted. And I remember the following day, and I remember I said to my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, and I said to him, I'm really gutted. Tomorrow, I've got to go to David Beckham's party, because I was actually... I was actually going to David Beckham's party the following day. Yeah, no, I was say the one. Yeah, but that's the one. The one that, but the one that he he just had before the 2002 World Cup. So she's, oh, she's, I couldn't get it. So she goes, oh yeah, that's really brilliant. And basically, I was, I was, I was, I was looking after the Mystique Girls, which are least addiction and everything like that. So I was looking after that little crew, and I managed to properly no, but I, was, I managed to properly, properly um, crowbar myself into this slot. You know what I'm saying? So I've turned up. And I've turned up with this thing, and I was really wasn't in the mood. Actually, I really didn't want to go, so I've turned up into this party, and I, I thought I don't know anyone because they, they, they were their boyfriends on there by myself. But the thing that I need to do is I just need to pretend that I'm really famous because if I do, if I pretend I'm really famous, then everybody will just start talking to me. So I remember going up to her, and I just started to speak to everyone. So I went up, "Hello, Scylla, how are you?" Like you know, and she's like, "Oh, that's hello, Al Fayed, how are you? I'm fine. I haven't seen you for ages." Gary Lineker, haven't seen you for years and the hilarious thing is that they all started talking back to me they're all like talking to me and I could see them afterwards thinking who the fuck's that bloke like you know what I'm saying it was really bad so, so in the end like you know we got in there and there's the photos happening Victoria Beckham she came up right she said she, no, no, so he, she, came, no, she came up to us and she said right, right okay, I'm not sure who the hell you are but you know and I said look I am I'm the B and like this that, and I just started to, to make it up you know what I'm saying she's going right the photos are happening in this room you can't come in. I'm saying, okay, that's not the time. Can't come in. So the photos were, I managed to sneak myself into the room. You know, like those photographs that you have when they snuck yeah. onto the old Real Madrid. Snuck into the photograph room. Like, you know, so the full photographs were taken. Vega Beckham, Victoria Beckham, the full Mystique Posse and all that. And I'm sort of stuck on the end. So the a week later, it came out. 
Hello magazine, and obviously they've sat down there. It's like <laughs> Victoria Beckham, David Beckham, Mystique, and another guest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so since that for the, like, the, for the following sort of five years all my mates used to just call me and another guest like you know what I'm saying but anyway anyway we're talking about that now so you're talking about that higher and lower littles and large Brentford been playing really 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 well but the Leeds match was a fantastic match we beat them we got the three points they went back crying let's listen to what the fans had to say in the pub after the game it's always been a hold away, here, hasn't it? Since 1950, I believe, since last time we won here. But, you know, that's football for you, isn't it? This championship uh, league, it's uh, one of the worst you could have, really, isn't it? For, you never know. Any team can beat anyone. And no matter how good you think you are, you're not here. The manager has a word at half-time, and things can change, can't they? You know, and it's all the players to get stuck in more, I think. Uh, and... We actually played a lot better in the second half, so uh, we had us chances, and so did you. I don't know, people will blame the manager, people will blame the players. Uh, you'll blame certain players, but it's no good sometimes fans getting on players' backs because I think it just makes things worse. I think we can turn it round, and there's always uh, January transfer window, so uh, you can always look at that, and hopefully we'll buy some players that'll uh, get us back and I believe get us back to where we belong in Premier. Brilliant night. Griffin Park was rocking tonight, and uh, I just it was a phenomenal performance. And you could go through the team; they all played, they all played so, they all played so well. And Ryan Woods, even before his goal, I said, I said he's got to get man of the match tonight. He played absolutely brilliant. But we've just been chatting here. Josh Clark, fantastic. Oh, he's brilliant. He's all over the place, isn't he? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He had a a, a fantastic game. Morpé, I thought, looked far more confident tonight. Scored the goal from uh, Wednesday night's giving him confidence. It's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Chris Meppham. I, I, I tell you something. I didn't, well did I didn't realise he came on, and I was going, "Who's that? Who's that guy there? He looks very assured." Yeah, he. I mean, he obviously came on half time. He just he never put a foot wrong. I mean, Bob, my friend was saying how well he played. You know, he, he's, he's only 20 years old, isn't he? Really, really, really good performance. The crowd were brilliant. Yeah, and really, we're we're really on the up. But all the players look so confident, don't they? Have your thoughts changed on the on the Smith out? Bob, uh, or are you still waiting to see him? Nine points ago, Smith out. Nine points later, Smith in. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that you? Uh... We'll see what happens in eight games time. So uh... When the cycle comes round again, the bad cycle. So it's all about the cycle. Yeah, it's all about the cycle. Yeah, the unicycle. He's done it a few times, hasn't he? Good bit, good bit, bad bit. Is that bit, good bad or bad? Because at the end of the day, I've got to ask a question. We right? love him now. I love him now. They came out and they looked. When they equalised, they looked the better team for ten minutes, and then we came through and we looked really good. We lost a few good players, and it just. Goes to prove, you know, you might get more money, but the grass is never greener on the other side. I've, I've, I've been told that in my job, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And you know what? That's proved it. They might be on more money, but who's the happier team tonight? I know we are. UBs. 100%. UBs. Come on, UBs. The Dean Smith era, the polarisation of form, how he wins 10 and then loses 10. And wins and loses ten. And he was doing that, and then this year it happened, 
and we started the season really badly and like at work all the boys are pretty fans and we lost and didn't win for ages and they were like oh yeah you're, you're, you're rubbish this year I was like no no we're, we're actually quite good but we have these runs of form and even I'm thinking surely surely we can't do it again surely we can't again turn over and, and have like a 9 or 8 or 10 match unbeaten streak I'm, I'm, I can't work it out but we've done it again or Dean Smith's done it again it's amazing yeah if we'd have had this say I don't know 7 weeks ago if we'd have said by now we'd be where we are I'd have taken it because I think it's brilliant now from what we'd had in the past Ubies Ubies with the way the results had gone before the game, instead of looking over our shoulders, we'll be looking forwards. And, and clearly, that is exactly where we are now. So, you know, I think somebody said, and I haven't looked because I, I try not to look too much at leagues before Christmas, but somebody said we're three points off the playoffs, which sounds bonkers. Absolutely um, bonkers. But if we are, then so be it. But then if, if Derby County could be like two or three points of the playoffs, then I think anybody can. Because yeah, they're yeah. appalling down when they come down here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it shows. I, I think what I've seen in the last few weeks is how many average, really average teams there are in this league. It is full of sort of this, this averageness of teams all kind of, they're a bit identical. They all try and do the same thing. And um, I think we're breath of fresh air. I am very, very happy because... Uh, I have to admit, you know, we, we, we've said, we've been consistent all year with um, the podcast. We've kind of been scratching our heads sometimes and wondering when it's actually going to start, when it's going to click, when, when are we going to get what we deserve. And the last, the last few weeks, we've actually seen it sort of come to fruition. There's, there's people that should take a bow over the last week. The players, absolutely. The players have absolutely been brilliant and been, been a, a credit to this football club. Um, but the fans, the fans that have had a very expensive week, um, the fans that have been to three games, sung their hearts out, thought the atmosphere at Griffin Pod tonight was electric. Um, you know, Leeds United sang, there's a lot, lot of them behind the goal, but Brentford fans, they really got behind the team. And I, and I, and I think the last week has shown me what a brilliant football club this is. And uh, I, I, I just, I, we're three points away now from the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not taking anything for granted, but you know, even if we just tick over now for the next few weeks, but there's no sign of that. You know, we've got an international break now. Why won't we go to Cardiff now and win? So in the pub after the game, Leeds fans, Brentford fans, very honest about that. The Leeds fans thought they were beaten by a better side. However, at the same time, they did also say that they felt that they just have to make a few tweaks in January for Leeds to go back to where they belong which is the Premier League which is, which is an interesting point that one because first thing I'm going to say to you is that do Leeds United have they got a god forsaken right to be in the Premier League I mean they played us how many times have they played us I mean, how many times have they beaten us I, I don't know have they ever they beat us, on the they beat us once last they be- but yeah up, up there maybe I can't even remember saying, we don't even know we played yeah, them so, played them so many times recently and they've never actually beaten us however their thought is that they have the godforsaken right. This is not disrespecting them, but I'm just saying that the way they say it, to be back in the Premier League. Teams like um, Leeds. Teams like Leeds. Now, I'm going to say to you, I mean, looking at that Leeds team, do they? No, no team does, do they? I do, you know, I do have a little um, sympathy for, for Leeds fans in, in that, you know, there's, very, there's not many clubs like them, really, two or three that have come down from Europe 
and uh, you know fallen down to, to losing to the losing to Brentford. But just ultimately, you're as good as you are on a pitch. And uh, yeah, we we, we beat him all the time now, Griffin Park. And sadly, it was no different. And you know, it didn't look like money much of a shining light in the Leeds side at all, really. I think they're going to stay in the Championship for a few more years at the moment. Um, it's, it's more likely they'll be in League One than the Premier League um, in the short term on Saturday showing. Um, yeah, what's it to us? It's quite interesting. Apparently, a Leeds fan um, said this fact. He said, to he can't honestly be, we were quite unlucky in that game. He said that um, Brentford, to be fair, they beat us 3 1, but they also missed three chances. They missed hit the post twice and they missed the penalty. And we were very unlucky to draw 6 all. <laughs> Yeah, well, there you go. Um, it, it's I, it's a it's a funny old thing, isn't it? It it's, it just seems that you wonder at what point would they ever accept that actually we're here and we're kind of in the short term here to stay because it it it's, it's it just it's it's bizarre that that these people and I think some of them go to the games and all sorts and they're, and they're regulars, but they're still in this sort of you know weird old world where. Well, we've outdone Leeds now for all three seasons since we've been in the Championship. Um, I would say. This is the fourth season, isn't it? Fourth. Well, this is the fourth, but the three, the three previous. Yeah, and um, and there's still this sort of fault that 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 they're entitled to beat us, and and I mean entitled, properly entitled. Is you know, I did a bit of teams like Brentford hashtagging on on Saturday evening after I've had a few beers, and um, there's plenty of that going. On. There's plenty of that going on because there is a there is a belief. That they should be beating teams like Brentford, as they say, and well, what they actually mean is, I think what they get it wrong is, is teams. Is they're not they're not considering the team, the football team, is is in their head they're thinking club. They actually mean clubs like Brentford, um, rather than than football teams. If, if you said football teams like Brentford, it's laughable. But they but they they're in the mentality of still thinking that club means more than the team on the pitch and, and it's just it's bizarre to be honest to find it weird it was uh, we missed three golden chances to smash them off the park were we really that good um, we weren't as good as we have been um, two hit the bar which yeah, they could have been a bit lower and they could have been great goals the penalty is the one really I think I think you're going to have long shots from distance we we, we didn't you know at Birmingham they had a great shot from distance it come off come off the post you know I think I think they 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 go as down as like close chances and I, we, we're not gonna, all those aren't going to go in the, but we they actually out they outperformed they out kind of um, percentaged us leads on, on Saturday which is very very rare you see that um, and uh, so I think with Brentford at the moment is just that we, we there's a lot of people that were panicking early on and it's it's kind of reass- it's just like part of this relaxing now into this transfer window into this um, international window is the fact that we can kind of like reassure ourselves that how good we are and that that seems like Brentford's um, mindset that some of these kind of really ignorant I would say um, fans of other clubs have got it's only going to last for a certain amount of time because you know we're, we're here to stay we're, we're not we're not going anywhere quickly and you know not and nor are they so we're going to become a, a kind of a, a permanent fixture in this in this fixture in this fixture list for them so we're going to be playing them quite a lot over the next next three four five years Leeds leads aren't leads aren't going up um, uh, the thing that bucks the trend here is Wolves. They've been doing the teams like, and they're on a bit of a roll at the moment. But will it, will it last there? It probably won't. 
So I thought it would mean Leeds. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a massively one-sided game on, on Saturday. But what was particularly pleasing was that we still we still won because of that, right? When so Watkins misses the penalty, they get the equaliser, which is a bit of a gift, and then probably after the second half, they had a, a good 10-15 minute spell where they were probably winning the win the battles, winning the midfield battle, and at that point they looked maybe more likely to score the next goal. But we set off them though. Then I thought. Well, we were losing the midfield battle. I thought and. The substitution was good, uh, so Sawyer's wasn't as effective as he had been. I think he came off, didn't he, from Mococcio? Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, a great sub from Smith, and Ray went to find that momentum again and push on to get the win. And that was like, you know, earlier in the year that wouldn't have happened. That's where it starts falling away, and we start be- be- bemoaning our luck that we didn't put them away when we could have. But we had the second go, we changed the system, and the players had the confidence they'd come out and play well. For me, that was a really pleasing part of the win, and that's probably the best part of it that we. Yeah, we, we managed to come at them twice and, and in the end finish it quite comfortably. I've got to, to ask this. We've, it's funny because we've had a run. We're all, we, haven't done, we haven't done that well on paper, but we've all said that we've been playing really brilliantly. Everyone's kind of ignored us, to be quite honest with you. But now we've actually come into the fall. We've won three games in a row. And we're eight games unbeaten or whatever it may be. And everyone's crowing about us, even though, to be quite honest with you, the football that we play probably is probably not quite as good as when we were not quite winning the games. But what happens is that when you get that situation, you get players that people start putting their eye on. They start talking about them. We had it last season. People are talking about Vibe. Oh, Vibe. Oh, he's, he's a burn to look out for. You know, they said in sort of January, February, and you're sort of thinking you didn't, you didn't even know he was in November and October. This is just what happens within the media. Obviously, now the, 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 the light has been shined back on Ryan Woods again. He had a great game on Saturday. People are talking about Ryan Woods. Normally, what happens when people start talking about him, the next thing that happens is transfer window activity. People are going to come for them. Will they come? Will they not go? Will they bid high enough money? The fact is that his, his uh, contract is expiring in 2020. So that's way down the line. So in principle, Brentford don't have to sell him. But what's going to happen from here, do you think? Because uh, I mean, Ryan Woods, is not, he's not, he's not, he ain't going away. Um, this maybe will be a bit different to some of the previous windows in that respect. Because like you say, he will still have three years on his contract. Um, is it for, I see the three and a half or two and a half at that point. I assume I uh, can't even work it out, but one or the other, um, and 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 that will be a little bit unusual. But as we know, there's there's a price on every player, and um, if somebody comes in and matches the valuation, which I assume will be quite high, then um, how high is high? I I don't know. It's a difficult one. That one I, I've I've sort of lost touch with where with where valuations are. It's got to be plus. It's got to be ten plus, hasn't it? Million. I mean, I, I, don't, know, I, I it, don't know. It's strange. I can't really. Yeah, it seems, it seems to me like he'd be. He wouldn't. Yeah, it's really hard to gauge, but he doesn't look like a ten million pound player, does he? I don't know why. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a ten million pound player now, but by rights, his stats probably suggest he is. But for me, he feels like he's less than. I don't know. It's hard, and, it's hard to judge. And his contract would suggest he is as well, because yeah, it will yeah. cost. It's going to cost more to prize him away. Um, I think. I think the main important thing with with Ryan Woods is that. He hasn't got an agent in his ear telling him he can earn three times as much or four times as much because, Yet. because, yeah, because because I, I I think that what happens is is that when we feel we've lost that player um, to the agent, then um, you know then I think you know we we've yet to, we've yet to really stand up and stop a player going for a lot of money as far as I can make out. Maybe stuff has gone on behind the scenes that I'm not aware of, um, and. 
you know so my only concern is is that is that, that there's an agent in his ear and then Wood starts it turns it tur- you know he starts to believe in his own hype or whatever and and I don't know what you do at that point it previously basically we've sold if, if players want to go in the end we pretty much sold them because because it, having a player doesn't really want to be at the club isn't isn't a, a whole lot of use to you anyway it's a so I I don't know where it goes. Uh, hopefully, just you know, he's happy playing football at Brentford. You know, hopefully, you know, he's he's settled in in the area and um, and he'll want to stay. But I mean, Woods Woods is brilliant. It's interesting as well. We're talking about players and bringing players in. Um, we had a player that came in at half time, which I didn't even realise that he was playing, and he seemed to slot in by a bit of a glove. It was just Chris Meppham. And um, we talk about our B team. We talk about the. Uh, I was listening to. Um, I think I was listening to the, to the Total Football podcast actually as well, which um, I know it was uh, not the Total Football, I think it might have been the, the Dan Bentley one that was on that Talk Sport. One of them ones, and they're all talking about the B team now. Everyone's talking about the Brentford B team. Oh, yeah, they've got a B team and things are happening and bringing players through, which is really great. So people are noticing what we're doing. And the fact is that Chris Meppham has come off the bench at half time, he's coming to the side, and I thought he, I, I didn't even notice you know, anything. I just thought that he was absolutely brilliant. Um, young, composed, he knew what he was doing. You know, he had his debut. He made a mistake very early on, but he's, he's recovered from that, and he seems to have, have moved forward. Yeah, that, I mean that that mistake could ultimately have sort of set his Brentford career off on a path that that he would never have been able to bring back. But he's it's not been the case at all. He's been I think he's been exceptional since he's since he's come into the side. I said it already, um, you probably heard me say it already, but what I like about him is he makes decisions and he sticks to it. He, you know, he probably puts his foot through the ball a bit more than some of the other players. Um, he doesn't overplay too much and there might be an argument that's not a bad thing. Yeah, he, he, needs, to, he needs to come in and be steady Eddie, doesn't he? he? Sometimes it's probably better for him just to put it out and be... Be, be sure than it is for him to um, just like be seen as being a fancy Dan and trying to take on players. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't want to cost us a goal. You know, I, I was impressed on on Saturday that you know when the game became quite even after they equalised and it could have gone either way really. Um, we had we had the balls to to, to, to to turn it up a gear and and actually go on the attack. Um, I think I think we that that kind of it wasn't a gamble as such. We just we just got back to playing better football again. But um, we we weren't in a mood to chuck chuck more points away, and I think that's come out of um, of winning two games. It becomes uh, it becomes a little bit of a habit. Um, and you know what you need to do extra to, to get that habit to continue. You need to start taking a couple of chances. And, and it, I, f- I think all of a sudden there's more of a belief in, in, in the, in the defence, if I'm honest with you as well. Um, I, know, I, know we, I know we, you know, they, they equalise, but again, it just come out, I come out of nowhere. And, you know, I'm not going to beat the goalkeeper up for, for that because, you know, both keepers did the same. But, you know, if it, if it, if it wouldn't have been for that fluff and we'd scored a penalty, we'd have been 2-0 up at the break. We would have scored three or four second half. So for us, for us to have won 3-1 and missed chances, it's a great result. I think, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to say as well with this back four is that since Josh Clark's come into it, whether he's playing at left back or right back, um, that's almost been been the turning point in a in a funny sort of a way. Yet, yet he's only come in because of injuries, but he's been exceptional, and he's and he's produced um, great performances on the left and on the right. Um, that you know the guy is he's. It's, I think it's just great. You've, we've got this this young guy that can literally 
come into the team and play wherever you want him to play, albeit normally in one of the wider positions. And um, you know, fair play to him. I he, he's at the point now where where when you see his name on the team sheet, you think yay, rather than you think oh god, you know someone's injured or whatever. And, and, and sorry, you bring that back to his very first game when he played up at Derby and we lost five nil the Uwe Rosler days as well. And and he was bombing down that wing. And you sort of thought he looks quite interesting because like, he looked very fast, but obviously very raw. How he's moved on since then, and he's like he did the right back thing, then he moved to to the, to the right wing, and he's moved backwards and forwards in and out the side. He was he, in fact he had a contract where. They weren't sure whether they were going to renew his contract or not, and then they gave him another year to prove himself, and then he proved himself and he's worked himself in. And like I said to you, I saw him, like I said, last game or last few games, and the one thing, like I said to you, that really kills me about him, and I think it's really wicked, is his is, is work ethic. You know, he, he, he's, he's forward, he's back, he's, he's marking players, he's, he's, he's all over the place, you know, working really, really hard. And maybe a lot of these things are the things that you don't see with other players, and I'm not knocking on players but like whether or not it's Colin or you know other players who are, who, who have been in our side which have a different type of work ethic to him and maybe and we're going to maybe talk about this later how certain players actually fit in with the way that we play and maybe Josh Clark is the, is the right type of player for us in these positions as opposed to the other players who might be slightly more luxurious it's, it's not many players that do it the hard way like Josh Clark has I remember that game we lost 5-0 to Derby and he came on and well, he started I think didn't he right wing and like I say, he was the shining light of, uh, it, was, it was quite a dim light actually, but there was no, there was no light anywhere else. But you could see something there, there was raw talent there. And you've seen it ever since, but probably for a, even ever since, sorry, even after that game when he's come in, for a long time you wondered if he was going to be the weak link or if he'd be the one who was targeted. And oh God, is it like 10 man plus Josh Clark? And then all of a sudden it changed, but actually no, he, he's, he's scoring goals from now and he's, he's putting the assist in. And now when he plays, you feel really assured that he's doing a job, if he's on the left, if he's on the right or if he's on the wing. And that's a bit of a testament to the chance he's been given to prove himself, to develop, to play against good opposition, to learn, and actually quite a good model for, for how the B team should go. If, if a lot of players from that sort of calibre with a good right work ethic and the raw ingredients can get that experience over time, he's going to be one of the great examples we can use to develop other players who are, who are similar to him. He seems to have turned into a man. You know, we, we talked about him at Derby X amount of years ago. He was a boy. Um, and uh, you know, I've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that you know there was a stage probably you know last season we weren't quite sure when he was out of contract where he where he was going to go. We've got uh, we've got a lot of talent in in, in in those attacking in these attacking positions now. But he's, he's he's become a versatile player and he, he's, he's, they're invaluable. Um, he, he can he can do a job for us in many many positions and um, you know whether it's a winger whether it's right or left back. You know he did a he did a proper job on Yota last Wednesday night. You know, we talked about him before the game in the, in the pub, and he was saying, you know, where playing, you know, being a being a right-footed player playing on the left, it actually it helped us because Yota was always going to cut in where Clark was actually that was it's just one of his strengths. So he, he, he you know, he, that was that was he, he was technically on his weaker position, but he could he was stronger cutting into sort of negate Yota. And then when Bielen come across and wipe Yotter out, I got a feeling that he was being bullied, you know, Yotter. And um, you know, he still looked a dangerous player. But between between the between Brentford's defence, 
we actually did a job on one of the best players in that division, um, and that's by using our brain and using our ability. So as a common, it's probably an example of um, the, 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 the research and the players all combining to actually you know do a proper job for us. Um, yeah, he's, I, I think it's. I think what's really important is like, is is Dave was referring to him as being a utility player. A pretty horrible word. Cause he's better than that. But we, you know, we're a squad that doesn't have the luxury of having two or three players for every position. At, at most, we've got two. But even there, we're we're a little bit short here and there. So it's very very important to have Clark. I think when Yanaris came into the side two or three years ago he was viewed in a similar way but you know what I think Clark's doing a better job than Yunaris did when he was being switched around into those positions and, 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 and just going back to it and interestingly because uh, Dan Bentley was chatting again like I said to you on, on the um, on the Channel 5 on the, on the not Channel 5 on the um, TalkSport show um, with Mark Webster as well I've done a couple of podcasts with Mark Webster he's a right old character as well he came down to Brentford a few weeks ago and he was just chatting about a few of the players which is quite interesting and he talked about how Clarkey uh, how Clarkey was um, one of the fastest players in the, uh, in the side him, Rico Henry is actually the fastest but Clarkey was right behind him as well um, Mepham is the best trainer in the side so he's the, he's the player that trains the best Egan is the hardest player in the side he said that apparently Joseph Zoom is properly skillful. He's like he's like a magician. They said he's like unbelievable on the training pitch. He just tricks like they've never seen before. Um, Nico's the Joker. Um, the least intelligent they said was Rico. Rico, um, which was um, which is, to be fair, it's um, um, yeah. I thought it was because Re- Reese. The thing is that that he actually put it out there as well, which is interesting. But I thought that's a bit you know. Cool. Sort of say those things, but he just said, "I'm saying, I'm going to say it straight." You know what I'm saying? But maybe that's in a joking way, as they do on the uh, on, on the training field as well. Um, worst dressed was Dale's guard as well. They said that he's coming up with some some ragger gear. You know what I'm saying? As well. And the teacher's pet is uh, Ollie Watkins, but Rico's in there as well, and Woodsy's in there as well. So, um, and the biggest diva is uh, the player who wears uh, gloves in the, in the in the in the summer. Who's that? What player wears gloves? Not Josh Clark. No, 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 Josh Clark. What player wears gloves? Come on. What player wears gloves? What player wears gloves? Canos. Canos. Bentley. Yeah, Bentley. Yeah, Yeah. Canos is the biggest diva, apparently. So that was quite, that was quite, I thought that was quite interesting, like you say. But anyway, just one last question as well on our team. We seem to go on these really strange runs. We go on these winning runs, and no one can seem to beat us. And then we go on these losing runs where we sort of seem to sort of kind of lose or maybe draw every now and again. Um, and this has been a sort of a Dean Smith-ism. It's happened with Brentford three, maybe four times now, and it also happened with Walsall. Is, is it something peculiar to Dean Smith? Is it something peculiar to Brentford? Or is this something that just happens in football? The Allard. Um, I... <laughs> Poor old Jimmy. I think I think I think you wanted to go first on this, but so I might. Uh, well, no, I, I I don't care when I went, but you're clearly stumbling. All right, yeah. so I'll I'll, I'll I'll bow you out here no, if, no, if, if you wish. Okay, no. okay go no, on. Back no, to no, you. Come on, back to me. Um, it's all, it, confidence. Young young players' confidence. No more complicated than that. Com- if you have young players, um, when they're up on confidence, they'll go on runs. When they're down on confidence, they'll go on the opposite runs. And I think I think I think it. 
I'd be surprised if the statistics don't say young teams have these sort of runs. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pretty sure it's down about. So if that's, if that's the case, then I mean, obviously it's interesting because we had a couple of se- or about a season a bit ago where we were, um, I think it's especially Matt Benham turned around and said to him, listen, you can slag me off, you can slag anyone off, but don't slag the players off because they're young and they could be broken. So, I mean, is this a real prime case of, you know, we need to kind of just bide our time a little bit and just let them get on with it? Uh, yep, and I've been saying more or less the same on the podcast. Um, I just think when when you got young players that um, you know are still sort of finding their way in, in football, then you need to support them. Um, if you don't support them, you'll probably get the results you don't want because um, because I, I just I really think it's simple as that. I think it's I don't think it's peculiar to football. I suspect it's the same with with, with all sorts of sports. Think of think of young players when they come in and they're. You know, whether it's cricket, whatever sport, they come in, they play brilliant for five or six games, and then they hit an inevitable downturn. And that's when they, you know, it's when they, it's when they first get tested and their confidence first takes a dip. Um, you know, I, that's just the way I see it, Jimmy. Well, I've, I've, confidence is clearly a, uh, a thing, and when and confidence is is more volatile when you're younger, and there's, there's a younger team at play. So there's there's truth in that. Also, the um, I haven't really thought enough about this to, to, to go to go to say this is definite, but the, the, the cycle of our teams tend to be shorter. So because we're we're like the self-proclaimed selling club of the championship, we, we get a team of young players which are bought for nothing, who are paid very little, who perform really well. So the vultures swarm earlier than they usually would, pick them off. Then the team is to start again, and they put another load of young players in, so the team's starting again, finding their feet, playing badly. Going a really good run, a few players stand out, another club size with the players, it starts again. And we're having no cycles quite regularly, so every transfer window or so. So I'm not sure if that is the same, I'm not sure if that's true for every time we've done a run, but because even now I'm saying that, I'm thinking once we might have hit a winning run when Alan Judge went out of the team, so I'm contradicting myself here, but a, a couple of times that's happened and, and that, that's probably uh, a side effect as well. I think you're spot on there, Jim, and I think it's um, and I've been guilty of say, saying this. You know, how, how come they, how come we seem to go in waves of wins or, or you know, or wins or defeats? Um, you're right. The teams that Smith's been in charge of, they're predominantly like work in progress. So you know, this season we expected great things based on the back of last season, but we introduced a fair few new players. So it was a, it was a, we, we didn't win, we didn't win in X amount of games, seven or eight games, whatever it was, but we stopped the rot of losing by that stage and we worked our way out of it. And now, the, now the team's fr- you know, firing on most cylinders, it, it's looking all right. And you're right, you know, we're now looking at January to see if, the, to see if, um, you know, Woodsy's going to get picked off by someone or whether someone's going to come in for V-Bay or someone's going to come in for um, Ollie Watkins straight away. You know, these are players that are on people's radars. So I think it's just, I think it's, sometimes it's a convenient stat. Um, other times you do, you are left wondering how these happen. But, um, you know, again, it goes back to the, the, the stat I said a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's better to be um, winning, winning two, you know, winning two than drawing one or winning two and losing one and getting on like more stuttering runs they might look like lose you know lose two win four draw one lose one win three but it's about the points total you get over the season it's a nine month season 
and, and talking about the I mean, nine-month season as well, because, again, I've been chatting to quite a few different fans around the country from different clubs. And interesting, you talk about teams like, say, for example, Bristol City. Bristol City, everyone forgets that Bristol City at the beginning of the season, you know, when they played us, they were sort of kind of down the bottom there and they weren't doing too much but they've gone a bit of a run and now they're you know in the top six or in the sort of playoff places and they're doing really well they're playing Man United in the next round of the cup and again it's one of those things where you know at one minute you ain't doing nothing next minute you are doing something so we think it's almost like and I'm saying that look at, look at Sheffield Wednesday at the moment now Sheffield Wednesday one minute they're sort of doing alright the next minute they're doing really badly they want to sack their manager then they win a couple of matches they win away at Villa so they go on their, their run so what we're saying is that you know, Leeds United, again, at the beginning, everyone thought they're going to win the league by, well, they thought they're going to win the league by, you know, sort of the end of August. They thought, yeah, we're having it now. Next minute, they've gone on this ridiculous run where they haven't won any games. So everyone, as Brentford fans, we all think it's only us. And what's this all about? And this is disgraceful and we get really angry. But if you actually go and you go and sort of kind of micro look at all these other teams, there's so many other teams having similar type conversations with us. Some of them are a little bit more chilled out than we have been because they're just used to it. They just say, this is just what happens, you know. We're cool about it, you know. Um, Leeds United fans aren't too cool about it at the moment now because they, a lot of them want to try and get rid of their manager because they believe that they should be going up. But in general, it's, it is kind of, say, one of those scenarios. And I think one of the situations is that you've got, you've got to look at how you're playing. You've got to have a look at how you're playing. And Bolton Wanderers were playing a particular type of football. At the moment now, they're just grinding out the results. But they're a particular type of team. And, you know, Burton are another one. You know, they beat Millwall on Saturday, but I think they had one shot in the game. But they beat them. They're grinding out the results. We weren't doing that. We ain't doing that. So we're in a different scenario to ever. So maybe we just need to chill out a little bit because a lot of other teams are in the same situation. I've got to say, again, you know, isn't it, isn't it lovely to see the way that we've been consistent? You know, just playing this this our brand of football, seeing seeing us being patient, carving out numerous opportunities, but having the confidence to know that at some stage it's going to all come good. And it, and I still think there's a is way more to come from this team. There's players coming back, judges back into training now. We've got Mokondes is going to join us in January. You know, this 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 these things that are, like Joseph soon I think is like really come into his own again now it was you know he, he, had a, he had a bad start to the season now he's being creative he's looking like trouble Woods is looking like a man destined for way way greater things he should be playing for England at some stage I'm sure you know Dan Bentley I know he's had a, he's had a, a couple of clangers recently but he's still pretty solid um, we mentioned Josh Clark. We, we, we've got we've got some quality running through this team, and you know Makocho is coming on. We haven't really mentioned him at all all season. You know, there's players in this team now that are Dow's guards. You've got Bielin, both might be going to the World Cup. There's Brentford players. It's, 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 it is really incredible, and that's not it's not bigging up um, the team. I think there's still more to come. We're way way not the finished article yet. Um, you know, all good. Excellent. So listen, I mean, and we're not, way not the finished article as well. And you're talking about these players who play for Brentford. Some of them fit within the Brentford team. We've also had players that haven't fitted in the Brentford team or other players that have left and haven't fitted into other teams. So in a minute, we're going to be talking about players and teams and whether or not you need to have the right players to fit the right type of team and exactly how that works. So we were talking amongst ourselves before the podcast here, and we were thinking about this. We were thinking, who is Brentford's biggest midfit who's ever signed for us, ever paid for us? 
and, and we sort of came up with quite a few answers and we decided we're going to post it up on Besotted Facebook page. So if you go to um, Besotted Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com forward slash Besotted, we're also, we also tweeted it out on Besotted's Twitter as well. And it's been going quite mad this whole night. People have been coming up with all sorts of ridiculous answers as to um, who the biggest misfit for Brentford is. Um, Laney, um, I know a couple of people come up with the biggest misfit for Brentford. And the reason why we're talking about this is because we're going to be discussing now, we're going to be talking about exactly um, do players have to fit in with the ethos of a side? I mean, if you've got a team, if a player's brilliant, does that necessarily mean that that player is going to play well in that side? Or do the team and the players and everything have to fit? Do you necessarily mean that you might have to get a player who's not necessarily maybe technically brilliant, but he may fit into a team and he's absolutely fantastic for that team? And I think this is the whole thing that's come out of it. And Laney, I mean, we've signed some players who have been some proper misfits, haven't we? We have, um, and they fall into a lot of categories, these misfits. They are either people that have come down from a high level and have, have, have um, achieved in the top flight, and come down to Brentford and couldn't give them monkeys, or they're players that have been signed by accident, um, players that haven't been scouted and managers have taken a backhander to sign. Um, there's lots, or, or players that have come through the system and they, they look good as rookies, but they, they never quite made the first team. We've got some real interesting ones here on Twitter. Some I agree with, some I don't agree with, but this is, this is what people are saying. This is nothing, nothing to do with me. Um, so we'll start on the first one. This one came in very, very quickly. Paul Davis, the fucking prick. Um, which is quite harsh there by um, the dog catcher. Um, Montel Moore. Um, again, yeah. By, sorry, yeah, okay. Um, Brentford Blogs. Um, Paul Davis, um, straight in there by Luis Adriano. Um, Paul Davis, the fucking prick. Another one, sorry. Leo Fortune West by a mile by John Barrett. Um, and someone said, the fastest I ever saw Paul Davis move was necking pints in a Putney pub after a match. Um, then Murray Jones from Charlie McGrath. Murray Jones, I think, it was high up there on my list. And uh, Lewis Adriano's coming back. Special mention to Murray Jones is the equivalent... I would say of selling Ollie Watkins and replacing him with Jacob Reese Mogg. And a few and a few others as well on Facebook as they come on there. We've had um, Bruce Bruce Shepherd who who talked about Lorenzo Pinamonte. And we all remember Lorenzo, he was apparently he was a little bit of a Mr. Lover Man, like you know what I'm saying. He was a little bit of a lad with the ladies in in the team. So Lorenzo Pinamonte. Um, John Restall talked about Peter Beadle as well, actually. Wasn't that me, Peter yeah, Beadle? Um, somebody's come actually very, very modern for us, and he's actually said it's got to be Philip Hoffman for the money we paid for him, or John Mackey. That's what Chris Allen said on Facebook as well. And, uh, and also Dave Owen said the supermarket trolley. So super, supermarket supermarket trolley. But anyway, we're going to come back to this in a minute because why, the reason why we're discussing this, and it's quite important, it comes back to, I mean, we've had a lot of chat about Birmingham City. We've had a lot of chat about sort of 10 times better. We've had a lot of chat about all this stuff that's been going on. We've had a chat about players, teams signing our players and us going and beating them. We're not going to go on about that anymore because that's, that's done. We've done that already. And, you know, if there was a battle that had been won, we have won that battle so far. This is more about looking at the bigger picture. And it's blocking about the fact that, um, listen, there's no denying that we've had some good players. These good players have left. 
But sometimes you sort of think, tell you something, if you were if you were actually looking after these players, would you take them to this next place that they've gone to? Because I have said this weeks in and weeks out, and I've noticed it on Twitter, where certain people have turned around and they've said certain things, and they said, actually, I actually start to believe that this is the case, where I believe that players have a certain fit at Brentford. They fit in at Brentford, and maybe when they move elsewhere, some of these players actually don't fit in. Some people might think that's absolute nonsense, but you know, I really do believe that is the case. We've got the case of the Birmingham Three, as we call them. We've got Hotter, we've got Dean, and we've got Colin. They've left a Brentford, they've gone to Birmingham City for much more money, and they've gone into a team which, to be quite honest with you, it's very, very obvious now. We're not being horrible about it. The team ain't working. Nothing around that, that, that whole setup is working. It's all a bit rotten. And the players don't seem to be responding, whether or not it's the players themselves or the players around them. So the question we ask is, are the players a fit for a certain style of team? Or can you, moving to another team, turn you into being the biggest misfit for that team ever? The Allard. Yeah, clearly. Is is that enough? Okay. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it, it's it, it's something that I think as football supporters we need to start to get our heads around a bit more because you know uh, there's so many examples of this. Even in the modern day game, think of, think of Jamie Vardy when he played for Leicester. He looks except he looks exceptional that season. When he played for England, you know you, you, you he didn't look like the same player, and it's simply because of the systems they're playing. It is. It, it, this is a really easy thing to see, but it's not something that as supporters we always kind of go with. So basically we think, you know, player scores goal, must be good, join, join my club and we'll score more goals. And it just doesn't work that way. Um, Scott Hogan, he is another example for anybody recently. You know, for Brimford, they had to play a certain way to get the best out of Scott Hogan. I think everyone knows this. Um, and then he goes to Villa and you know and, and he does nothing because because Villa have got a load of other players they're trying to play around so there's, there's examples of this everywhere another very recent example um, which we saw me and Billy last season Aidan McGeady for Preston looked fantastic at Sunderland just looks like an average player again the question I ask then is that how do, but, but how do the players feel because the fact is that you're sitting here right you're sitting in a team and you think you're the Don Dada you're doing absolute business at a certain team. All the fans don't want you to go. Everyone doesn't want you to go. I mean, you know, we, we're looking at a scenario like, say, like Hotter, like, you know, like Dean, you know, like Colin to a certain extent, you know, as well. Fans don't want you to go, but you feel that you're going to go because you're going to make a mark wherever you go because you feel it's the right thing to do. Your agent is saying to you, you go there, you're going to get loads more money, and also it's going to be absolutely brilliant. You've got a fantastic manager, everyone, and you go there and you walk in and you you walk in the direction you think oh my god this is a shit show because I mean Harley Dean and again this is not a disrespect on him we're just going to make a fact that he actually did another video for Birmingham today where basically in effect he revealed the, the inefficiencies the things that were going wrong in that team he talked about infighting it looks like there's loads of different cliques of people doing things people blaming each other the team's not pulling together which is he's been at Brentford for six years now so he's not really experienced that and he's come out he's got more money but he's no doubt he's probably gone there thinking, oh my God, what's going on here? I, th- I think these players believe in the teams like Brentford themselves. I, I, think, they're, I think they're part of our club, but they're actually all, all the time they're thinking, oh, it's just Brentford, it's just Brentford, and they're waiting for, they're waiting for the payday. They, they know that we're a better set-up club in terms of like, you know, the, the recruitment and the, the, the way they're allowed to express themselves and the brilliant football we play, but it's, it's, for them it's just pound shilling pence. 
It's it's like teams like Brentford can't afford that, can't afford to pay us what I can afford at Birmingham. And you, there's no way on God's earth that Colan and um, Yotta went to Birmingham for for to live in Birmingham. Um, and, and nor did Harley Dean. You know, they, they went there just for the wedge. Um, and and Hogan, he would have gone anywhere. Both both players, him and Yotta, were were saying they would only go to the Prem, only go to the Prem, and they ended up in the Championship. And it's they're fallen flat on their face professionally, um, but financially they 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 probably won't have to work again ever. Again, this isn't something. I mean, we see it through our eyes because we're Brentford fans. So we could sit down there and we could say, you know, Potter, we loved you here. You shouldn't have gone elsewhere because it's not only about your football style, but it's about your, you know, you're getting screamed off the bar and people love you and you get a vibe. And, and you're a player that actually survives off vibe. You get a vibe, you know, you get people into you and then you play very well. So that's very, very good. You know, it works for you. So you actually play even better. At Birmingham City, as we said to you, you turn up there, 20,000 fans in the stadium, really dead atmosphere and no one gives a monkeys if you're on the pitch. Now, for me, this is, this is. I mean, we see this ourselves, but we're not the only fans that see this as well. This happens in other teams as well. I mean, we're going to talk to James from Sheffield Wednesday in a minute now, but like I said to you, this happens in other teams where we've had players or come in from one team to the other and it hasn't happened either, has it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's football-wide, this. It's this pe- people, and, it, and it's the same, you know, we change your managers. It's, there's, there's this ridiculous idea that you suck a manager, get a manager in, that will solve all the problems. And in certain cases, maybe it has, but in most cases it doesn't. Because a manager has one idea, he signs one lot of players, and then another manager comes in who wants to play a different way, the way he wants to play. None of those players fit into that system, so he has to sign another load of players. This is the transition Birmingham have been going through for the last two or three years by constantly changing their managers. And, and, and some mad, I mean some really mad examples of going you know, from Warrett to Zola, which was insane, because there's no way Zola was going to be able to get a team of Rowett players to play in the way he wanted them to play it just wasn't going to happen so it, it, you know but it just is something that and, and you know what everyone sort of you know there's always this thing about Brentford and, and people you know want plan B and all that stuff but the, what, I, what I love about the club is we've got a way of playing we sign players to fit into that we've had the odd misfit in the last few years but in general most of the players have fitted in the only misfits I can really think of have, have been two centre forwards who were you know, probably you know, two six foot plus centre forwards who basically were brought in to do Plan B. Which who which you, who, who are they? Sorry, could you who are they? Well, obviously Hoffman and um, yeah, not everyone. Not everyone knows though. All right, yeah, Hoff, Hoffman and Prosfits, and um, and and, they, and and we got them to do this Plan B that everyone talks about. But guess what? It didn't really work. So just just do what you're good at and, and get better at it. So listen, and, and talking about other teams, we're going to just have to listen to because we got um, we we got James Marriott from the Wednesday Week podcast and he's also talking about a couple of players that didn't quite work out other places but they've done alright at Sheffield Wednesday Hi it's James Marriott from the Wednesday Week the Sheffield Wednesday podcast um, so a, a player that we signed from Leeds and um, they, they told us at the time very happy to tell us at the time on social media that he was uh, a terrible player was Tom Lees uh, who joined us ooh, probably probably over three years ago now um, and he's gone on to be well a, an absolute 
rock uh, at the heart of our defence. I think the reason it didn't really work for him at, at Leeds was it, it was a quite a young defence uh, and we found that uh, at Wednesday he does work better when he's got an experienced centre-half play next to him. He's generally played alongside Glenn Leuvens, who's got oodles of experience. Um, so I think that's why it's, it's really worked out for him. But considering the fact they let him come to us for free, even though he's, he was within contract, um, it was an amazing bit of business and he's been linked several times with you know, multi-million pound moves to the Premier League. Um, Barry Bannon was a similar sort of case he wasn't particularly rated by Villa or by Palace when he was there, came to us and it's worked really well for him and I think that's because we've allowed him to kind of play the role that he wants to, to play and he's got a really good relationship with the fans and I think that really kind of spurs him on, he's very much a confidence player um, on the kind of flip side to that, um, a player that we signed um, last summer uh, was Alman Abdi from Watford who was very well thought of by the Watford fans. I've never known a sign someone and see quite so many kind of tweets from fans of the club that he was leaving, wishing him well, telling us what a great player that we'd, we'd got. And it's just not happened for him. It's not happened for him at all, to be fair, at Wednesday. He's had a lot of injury problems, but when he has played, um, we've not really seen any of this um, kind of magic that the Watford fans told us that he could do. Um, that's not to say that it won't happen for him, but at the moment, it kind of looks like one of those signings whereby, for whatever reason, it's just not going to work out at Wednesday. So thoughts from Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, like I said, similar issues. I mean, in a different type of way to us. I mean, they've got players in that they feel have made good. So Sheffield Wednesday has become the home for players who weren't necessarily felt at home at Leeds United and 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 Palace and Villa and maybe these other clubs are sort of a lot bigger. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday is quite a big club, or they think they're quite a big bow anyway. Um, you know, they, they in, in the Championship sense. So maybe that these other clubs, they just felt that these players were superfluous to needs and they came to Wednesday. And as he said to him, a very important thing is that he said Barry Bannon, he came to, to there and he fitted in from day one, but also he had a great relationship with the fans. And I think one of these things are really important for a player to strike up a great relationship with the fans. Because if you've got a great relationship with the fans, fans love you. Look, look at Canos. All of a sudden, it takes, I think it takes your playing level up one or two notches. Potter again. Fans loved him. They took his playing levels up to one or two notches. He's got to Burnham City and not be funny. They're just like going, prove to me, mate. Prove to me. So he hasn't got that same kind of love. So that, so that brings me on to uh, Miss Brentford Misfits. And um, I, was, I was actually going to go with John Mackey, actually. I think that's a really good example. It was mentioned earlier on, the, on Twitter. Someone, someone texted it in. Um, I've got a really good memory of Hereford away when we were under Butcher. And I thought Mackey seemed like a real steady Eddie at the back, but he was rubbish. And the 89th minute, we were 2-0 down, and, and he'd come over to the fans that had gone out for a corner, and he was trying to get the ball back from the Brentford fans so he could rush a corner. And every time he'd come to one of the fans to get the ball, it was thrown to one of their mates, and he was chasing it like a dog playing piggy in the middle. It was a really great memory, and uh, yeah, I think he's selling fruit and veg now. But um, you were talking about wingers with good relations with the fans. Paul Brooker is another one. Paul Brooker, I thought was... I know the Brighton fans loved him, Reddy fans loved him, Fulham fans loved him. Come here, it didn't quite work for him. I actually thought Brookle, I, guess, you know, I thought he was a good player. He had, he had something in him, but the relationship with the fans wasn't there, as you mentioned. The fans hated him. He earned too much money. But it did feel like a bit of a weird redemption when he scored that amazing goal when he ran the whole level of the pitch against Swindon and banged it in. But, yeah, but listen, he probably played 50 games, but he's a misfit. I think what we need to do, firstly, and we're maybe doing this a little bit late, but what you need to quantify is what is a misfit. A misfit for me isn't somebody who's rubbish. 
a misfit is somebody who's actually good but doesn't fit into your system or the way you play and you shouldn't assign you shouldn't assign them because of that rather than you shouldn't assign them because they're rubbish and and I think you know I think we're covering all and that's and that's why Murray Jones probably doesn't really count in this one because Murray Jones just wasn't very good as opposed to a player that didn't fit into our system yeah he was just a bad signing um, so, um, you know, any more, Jimmy? Any more? Or you? Oh, no, go around. I, I, so, I, I okay. can talk all night. So, I, I, I kind of liked, I saw it on Twitter earlier, and I did think of this one, Leo Fortune West, who came to us as the, you know, the, 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 this sort of, I think he came out of non-league and then, and then, and then played for a league team and, and, and was scoring goals, came to us and could not score a goal, and then went off and became a bit of a hero, I think Cardiff, wasn't it, where he went? And... And, and yeah, had a relatively yeah. decent, yeah, decent. Right. That, that's that's what I mean by misfit. Is somebody that comes to you and is awful, but then goes off and actually carries on being as good as he was. Um, so I'll give you another one. Um, when we when, when when basically we signed a sweeper when we didn't play with a sweeper, John Buttigieg. Yep, um, Maltese player played as a sweeper. We signed him. Tried to tried him a little bit as a sweeper, then decided we weren't going to play with a sweeper. No real place for him in this team, and just came on. Maybe did a bit of substitution and, and occasionally played, but a good player. And and, and, and that's kind of my, my, my example of what I would call a misfit. Well, that's a very good. I think you've defined it perfectly there. So good players that don't quite fit into the system. Bought bought like luxury items, really a bit. Lewis Grabham. I would say he's one of those for Brentford. Um, obviously went on to, to do better things, but at the time didn't really fit into our system. So he was a misfit. Um, Chucker Akpom, again, you know, come down and did, did his thing and he had an attitude problem, probably. Didn't quite fit in. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but what has he gone on to do since? Well, you know, he hasn't. He's huffed and puffed everywhere. He's a good player, probably, but he's got an attitude. But maybe, maybe he's a bad example. Les Ferdinand... He played one game for us, we didn't like the look of him, but I would say the biggest misfit in my time at Brentford is Will Grigg. <laughs> well, the thing is, yeah, and you know that I've been, I've been defending Will Grigg for months and years and years, and at the end of the day is that, I mean, he got a big signing on fee. We almost signed him to Celtic in the, in the close season, it didn't quite come about, but Will Grigg, he, he, is, he is the best ever is what I'm going to say, and you know that I'm always going about Will Grigg. It's interesting, actually, Eddie Rin on Facebook said that he thought that Joe Allen was a, a misfit, which yeah. is, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, he's a right he's a right old character, if he's a misfit anyway, a tr- properly character, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think the main thing is we've seen there's a lot of misfits, and um, I, I think I think what, what I, I, well we've got a team of misfits, Dave. Do you want to yeah. do you want to well, give well, us? No, a, no, you can do it. Okay, so so our team of do misfits. Luis Adriano. Do we, do, do we so, so off, do yeah, from Louis Adriano. Louis Adriano. Um, in goal number one, Ashley Bays. Hey. Yeah. 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 Oh, um, number two, Bradley Walsh. Number one album. Number three, Kenny Sansom. Possibly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, number four, Ian Bolton. Number five, Alan Whitehead. He won't be pleased with that yeah. one. Yeah. No, he's not happy with that. <laughs> Number six, Paul Davis, already Ooh, mentioned. Paul, captain, yeah. apparently. Yeah, gang captain. <laughs> Big misfit. That's what he's brought in for, though, wasn't he? You know? And he wasn't he going to be player coach or something as well? Um, number seven, Paul Brooker. Hey, I'll cheer him. Jimmy's up with that. Number eight, Tom Finney. Yeah, we've got him from Cambridge, apparently. 
Um, number nine, Murray Jones. I mean, uh, we've already said he's really a misfit. Number ten, Neil Shipley. He wouldn't fit into much, would he? No, no. <laughs> he, missed, he missed fit into his jeans. And, and, and number eleven, probably the mid- biggest misfit ever at Brentford, Rod Stewart. I think there's two. I think there's yeah. I think that's good, and I think there's two that missed out from that. Is Graham Ricks as well? Oh, no, no, Ricks was probably good. He was good. good. For us? Yeah. yeah. No, he's all good. Okay. Yeah. And Paul Merson? I, Paul Merson, I don't, I, I don't actually remember seeing Paul Merson. He was. Yeah, he played stuff. well. For, he played well for us. I tell you, I, I'll give you another misfit. Um, the, the Tottenham super sub that came down to Brentford, Gary Brook. Gary Brook. Absolute misfit at Brentford. Coutinho? Coutinho? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one. Yeah, yeah. And, and what about um, we mentioned briefly earlier? Um, between recording, Liam Moore was mentioned. Yeah, he's a bit of a misfit. Three, three times, three time misfit, and he's gone to do better things. And what I really miss about Liam Moore not becoming some well, uh, an established player was that uh, the, I heard the campus song, "Everyone the Terraces song," when he was playing for Brentford. Simon Moore was in the team at the time, and it burst out. More, more, more. Liam and Simon. Liam and Simon. <laughs> more, more, more. If only. What could have been? <laughs> I'm loving this misfit stuff. I think, I think we need to do something. I think you yeah. sort of needs to do something we, with this. We need, yeah. we, we need, we need to go definitive. Yeah, we need to do this. Well, there's a couple of others as well. There's Berahino yeah. as well, yeah. who uh, scored that wicket, two goals against Carlisle on the TV as well. And obviously he was at uh, um, West Brom. I think he was yeah. West Brom at the time. And uh, I don't know if he went to Stoke or what happened. Oh, I that... mean, when he was at West Brom, there was talk of him playing for England and yeah. all sorts of stuff, yeah, you know? Right, yeah, but he, he got into a Twitter spat and then Uwe Rosa was very unhappy with him and sent him packing back home as well. And there's also the player who did end up playing for England as well, Antonio, um, who came from uh, Mikel Antonio, yeah, who, uh, who ended up going from, to West Ham. Yeah, he was at West Ham as well. And um, it, was, it, it was actually Carl Hutchins who actually uh, recommended him to Brentford and put him into a game against Stains Town. Wasn't well, that Stains? Yeah, maybe Andy Scott snubbing him got him the, the, the Watford gig. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't think that's completely fair to Betty Cotton as to you, lady. <laughs> you know, and, you know. So, but anyway, so there's uh, Antonio, these things happen as well. Um, but. Listen, like I said to you, lots of people on Facebook. You can still go in there, put it on Facebook, um, and put it onto on, on Twitter as well, the Brentford Twitter and the Brentford Facebook, because we are going to we're going to do something with this, aren't we? I, th- I think you should have a, one of those World Cup of misfits, one of them World Cup things where everyone votes and stuff. I, I don't quite know. How, well, I think I know how it works. So yeah, Twitter polls. We need to get yeah. Twitter polls. We'll, we'll get a what, like sixteen misfits. Quarter yeah. final, semi final, final. We'll have group It's an international break. Yeah, we could yeah, have a group stage. Yeah. Okay, look out for this in the next 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 week or so. Between now and the next podcast, and what we'll do is that we will announce the winner in the next podcast as who is the biggest Brentford misfit. We were going to have a World Cup. Well, actually, it's not going to be a World Cup. It's actually going to be a Leyland Daff. A Sherpa van. The Sherpa van trophy of misfits, okay? And we'll get them all in there. We'll do a poll. We'll put it up on Twitter. We'll work out whether or not we could do it on Facebook. Not sure how we can do it on Facebook at the same time as Twitter. And then we'll get the winner and we'll announce it next week on there. And and we'll see if anyone has actually actually mentioned them as well on Facebook. And we'll give you a, a bit of a shout out. 
Could we invite the winner of the Misfit Trophy World Cup to one of your besotted socials to present the, the cup personally? That would be a great moment. Personally, I mean, we've got to buy a cup and, you know, I mean, we appreciate it. We're going to call it the dog shit trophy for you, for me. No, and um, I'd say um, if, when you add the actual player <laughs> into the nominations for the, to the Misfit, I think that's a little bit below the belt, Lou. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, just 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 coming back, coming back seriously, and just 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 rounding off this conversation here, like we said to you, and we've talked a lot, and basically what we're, you know, I think a lot of this conversation has come from the fact that um, you need to be a little bit careful when you're making your choices as a player because it's not as easy as just going to another team and uh, everything's going to be all hunky dory. Um, for a lot of Brentford players, as we've shown here as well, when they've gone to another team, they haven't really done better. Yes, financially they've done better, but they haven't actually upped the game. And they probably would have been better just staying at Brentford because, you know, if the team had stayed together, then they would have been together and we'd had more chance of actually going up if we were together. And then they could have probably gone off then and done their thing and then we would have had more money in the pot to buy other players anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But I think players are starting to learn this. But what I've also noticed is that it does seem to work. There's a couple of situations where it has worked for a couple of players. Obviously, um, James Talkowski, who forced the move to Burnley. But if you notice that that move actually came in January. It was the January window when we already knew that Burnley were flying high. They looked like they were going to go in Premier League and they needed to reinforce themselves. James Tarkowski just probably looked and thought, hey, it's nearer to his home. Burnley are top of the league. They want me. And if I go there, I could be playing in the Premier League in four months' time. Forced the move as well, which you know, which has worked in his favour. So, yes, and fair enough. And um, even uh, Sean Dyche revealed today that he tried to bid 300000 for Tarkowski, but we beat him to the bid at the time because they had no money, which is quite unbelievable to believe you know but he reckons he's a bargain at 10 times more so he said that basically he paid 3 million for Tarkowski but he believes he's a bargain at the time and if he does move on we know that we're going to get something out of it and obviously the other one is Andre Gray who also moved to Burnley but they were the big guns at the time and the move has worked out for him and he's moved on since to, to Watford so that is all good for him so yes of course like I said to you the scenario is like the boat has to be right for the player these players have found the boat that's right for the player, but more often than not, you have to be very, very wary. Your Scott Hogan's, your 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 Hotters, your, your Deans. There's other players that have gone out there where things haven't worked out too well. And like I said to you, biggest mitfit, the Leyland Daff Sherpa Van um, Trophy competition. We'll be running that on Twitter in the next week. We'll announce it in the, in the next few days. But anyway, we've got more things to talk about, a few more things to talk about. So we'll be talking about those things after this twang. So just looking towards the fixture list and looking towards Christmas and there was a there's something that happened this week which which got a few people a little bit riled. Sky TV decided to switch Brentford's game from a lunchtime on Boxing Day to a 7:30 kickoff on Boxing Day. And all of a sudden, social media went absolutely bonkers. Besotted tweeted all sorts of stuff. Everyone else is tweeting all sorts of stuff. And basically saying how unfair it was that Brentford fans and Aston Villa fans were subjected to a match at a 7.30 on Boxing Day, which is meant to be at family time. Traditionally, people go to a Boxing Day game if they go at all. Go there at lunchtime, have a couple of hours, go back home, and then they spend their time with their families. But now, they're going to have to try and yank themselves out the house and uh, try and get down to the game on uh, in the evening. If not, they're going to have to sort of sneak off to the next room or down at the pub and watch the game 
or actually maybe not do anything at all? It's, it's more than that as well. It's, it's um, you know, Boxing Day is traditionally a, a day where, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I know lots and lots of people do it too. Um, you take the family to the game. There's like three or four generations of, of fans that go to the game. It's a tradition. You do it in the morning. You get it out of the way, and then you go back and you have leftovers from the previous day. You, so if you're going to go to... Brentford on a boxing day unless you live very close to the ground that means you can't drink all day because you're gonna to have to drive there's no public transport um, so you know there's no trains anyway so it's it's really gonna be difficult for a lot of people and then we did the poll on Besotted um, 43% of, of fans who voted 750 fans voted it's a huge straw poll they said it's going to affect, they don't know how they're going to get to the game or they won't be able to get to the game. There's a few people that have come on, or quite a few people have come on and said they couldn't have gone to the earlier game, but they can now. So there's always, obviously there's some people it affects, there's other people it, it doesn't. Um, so, you know, it's hard to work out which way the balance is, but Boxing Day, 7.30, it seems very, very awkward. Um, I, you know, I feel sorry for the people that work for the club too. None of them want to work there on a Boxing Day evening. You know, let's not get it. Let's not let's not get this out of proportion. You know, every no one wants this, but it's something that's forced on us, and we can't do anything about it. That's that's the view of some fans, Bill. But can we do anything about it? Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a few things as well. I mean, what, first thing I would love to say to you because there's there's a lot of comment flying around. Interestingly, there's a lot of Villa fans. Villa fans seemed a little bit sort of less angsty about it than what we do. Uh, I think they'll probably put that down to a couple of things. First of all, they've been in the Premier League for so many years. They're so used to their games being moved. It's just kind of whatever for them. Also, Villa have got a much bigger fan base than us. So, you know, their fan base might be into the hundreds of thousands. So not all those fans go to games at all compared to Brentford, whose fan base might be, say, 15,000, and of those 15,000, six or 7,000 go to games. So basically, it's like, whatever our fan base is, probably half of that fan base goes to the games. So we're going to be more affected by it, and probably we'd be more angsty about it than Villa fans. So a lot of the Villa fans were saying, well, this is quite nice, we can actually sort of spend time with our families and watch the game on the TV. Or, you know, this is a choice for people to, to do whatever you want to. If you want to watch it, you can do. If you want to go to the game, you want to do it. Our view is that, to be quite honest with you, it shouldn't have been in this slot at all. One thing we have to emphasise as well, we know lots of other people have got different views and a lot of people are saying, this is great for me, I can go to the game now and I couldn't do it, which is good, great, that's fantastic. But what you can't do, you can't base uh, what is right or wrong on your own personal opinion because it may be great for you to go to this particular game now but the, same as the QPR game that moved to a Monday, we had loads of people that were absolutely livid that it was moved from a Saturday to a Monday, so that didn't suit them. So you've got to look at the absolute principle and overarching principle as to what is right and what is wrong within football. And to be quite honest with you, I might have turned around and said, this is a bit inconvenient for me, but this might have suited me better than it didn't. But actually, the principle is wrong. And quite a few people have done that, and they've said, look, the principle is wrong. It's actually worked better for me. Um, what, one thing I'd say to you is, like I said to you, is about, is about Brentford um, and something that we put out there. Um, based on information that we had, we said that the, the Cubs had a say on whether or not the game should be played, can be moved or not, according to Sky. Um, we've had uh, conversations with people since and we've had to talk to the club as well. And, and, and we'd like to point out the fact that apparently it is 
not up to the club as to whether or not they can move the game or not. Sky turns around to you and says, you have to play the game, and that is the end of the story. So that information that we put out, and we put our hands up to say that was slightly misleading. It did come from information that was supplied to us by um, a few people that had worked within the industry, so we apologise for that um, and for any grief that was caused on that. And the the second thing that we say is also the club turned around and, and, and... People will turn around and say, well, you know, there's £100,000 in this. We can't just turn around and just turn £100,000 on its nose because we are, um, we're a football club who are losing £10 million a year. So there are a lot of factors that are involved in this. However, what I will bring this back to is the fact that this is Boxing Day. This is the evening of Boxing Day and this is, should be family time. And for football... There should be certain times I think we should be blacklisted. So, very interestingly, the football, um, uh, the, the Premier League, they were thinking of Sky of changing some games, some Premier League games, to Christmas Eve. And the word came out. The Football Supporters Federation got involved. A few people got involved and said, we've heard you're going to change the game to, to, to Christmas Eve. And they didn't dare do it at all. So when the fixtures came out, they didn't dare do it. But this is one that they thought, actually, there's no opposition to this one, so they've actually done it. So I think that this is really unfair. There should be some games that are blacklisted. Um, People have turned around to us and said, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing you could do, just settle for it. My argument is that they said exactly the same thing with the Premier League, when the Premier League said we're not going to cap tickets on away fans. And in the end now, the Football Supporters Federation actually got tickets for away fans capped at 30 quid in the Premier League, which means it's cheaper to go and watch Arsenal play away than it is to go to places like... Um, Leeds United and Sheffield Wednesday which aren't capped but on the flip side of this I also will say is that um, we've actually got a meeting so I've had a word with a couple of characters and we're actually going to the Football League in a couple of weeks time so what can you do we're going to the Football Leagues probably in about a month's time and this is one of the, the, the things that are on the agenda and what we're not trying to do is we're not trying to knock out Brentford and say Brentford shouldn't be playing but what we're trying to say is listen have a little bit of thought for the fans Think about what the fans, what should and shouldn't have. At the end of the day, is that no, we're not saying that Brentford shouldn't be on television. Of course we want to be on TV, but why does it have to be Boxing Day 7.30? Couldn't it have been the day after at 7.30 or the following day or at another time? There should be specially defined times. That There are certain times that they shouldn't be. And so we're going to have this conversation. It's going to be a, 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 you know, a good conversation. We're not going to be ranting and raving. We're just going to be putting our point forward and hopefully... The authorities will be able to listen. We, you know, we have to do. We do have to look back at history. Um, we used to play Christmas Day morning, and we, we and I, it was a couple of weeks ago that I said the story about Preston, where we played Preston at home on Christmas Day, and we played them away on Boxing Day, and you know, but it was in an era when fans weren't expected to travel. It only actually impacted the, the players pretty much. No one would have come down. No one would have gone up there. Um, but you know, we, we, you're right. What you say is like we can look at this individually and we say, does this affect me? Does this affect? Does it not affect me? You know, that's, that's one person. So you can have, but the majority of people, it is a family day, and it makes it really awkward a to attend or even to watch because. If, it's a fa- if you're having a family gathering, which most people do, and I appreciate there's a lot of people that don't, they're either single people, they're widowers, they're widows, or they're, you know, they're, they're people that are on their own, or Matt, um, you know, uh, you know, you, 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 you know it, it can affect you, it can't affect you, but for the majority of people, it is a family day. And it and and I, I just try, for me to drag myself away from my family do is gonna be difficult, and actually to, 
to impose me watching the game in the house I'm in is going to be difficult too. So it's kind of the lesser of both evils. I'm going to get grief one way or the other. I probably will be there, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to make these decisions. Are you going to go to the game then? Possibly, but there's, there's other things. Like if, so if all my mates can't be there, I can't go to the pub beforehand. It's not going to be the same vibe. So I'm not going to stand on the terrace on my own, surrounded by no one. You know, my match day is my match day. Saturday's three o'clock is is the epicenter of the the feel good about going to Brentford. So if if no one's going to be around me, I, I don't I don't know. You know, the game itself is only part of my day. Yeah, but like the uh, Boxer Day fixture is is it's one of. Traditionally, it's a real treat, the three o'clock game. You get to go and see your mates. You know, all feeling a little bit, a bit worse for wear, generally. How to get on the night before. And, you know, regulars will bring their their brothers or their fathers or sisters, whatever, for once a year. And you see them, and, it's, and that's a lovely thing. So that's been taken away. That's, that's, that's one thing. But, and again, the family time, I'm with you on that. In the evening, it's very hard to justify to your, to your wife, your whatever, your, your friends, your... Yeah, whoever that you're going to go to the football game and you know what it's not, I live in Brentford it's easy for me to get to but even I'm thinking man, do I really want to go to the game that evening like it's, I mean I, I, it's, it's a time I like being at home I like spending it with the family I mean and even if, even then if I'm at home unless we unless we sign Del Boy and Rodney and Sky call it a Christmas special it's going to be very hard for me to turn it on and justify you know this is a time for special television I'm going to ask you as well a question I mean you're talking about you know you live I'm not being funny but you live a lot closer to the ground than I do um, you know it's, it's, it takes me an hour and a half by public transport to get down there if I have to drive I'll probably a little bit less but I'm actually in Brighton for that day anyway and I'd already negotiated to come up for the 2 o'clock kickoff game no way that I can come up for the 7.30 kickoff. but for you you're like you know 15 minutes walk down the road and you're still considering going to this game now what would happen if we were actually playing at Aston Villa what would you be doing well this is a good question I mean when we're playing at we're playing away on Boxing Day I've probably of the last seven away days at a Boxing Day I've probably been twice and this takes months of planning you know you've got to drop drop it very early you got to, you got to send it to the family early and um, you know, generally you, you're going to the game and you, you, you come back as quick as you can you're hopefully home by seven or eight o'clock um, but what if it's a seven thirty kickoff? Well, you're not going, are you? Really, end off. So, I, so the, I mean, the Villa fans. I mean, I know we don't expect a, a, a portion of them, but some of them are like, oh yeah, kind of whatever. But for me, I'm thinking, God, this is like. I know actually, there's one, which is the the, the, the Sutton Coalfield Villa massive, who I, I speak to quite a lot, and they'd already planned to come down, so they'd booked into the Globe at I think about eleven, eleven thirty. So they're going to come down very early, come down, they go straight back afterwards, and they're going to get back down by six o'clock. That was their plan, and I, I've seen that they've been complaining massively because it's absolutely thrown their plans afoot because all of a sudden now, obviously, you know, their, their day's been absolutely mashed up. Um, the Allard. There's a lot of different stories here. Um, I think um, it's unreasonable to expect away supporters to um, travel to a game that kicks off at 7:30. I, I just think it's completely unreasonable. There, there may be some Villa flat. There may be a, there may be 1,600 Villa fans that live in London. To be brutally honest, so it, it, it's still quite possible. I mean, they'll sell out their allocation anyway. That's 100. Yeah, yeah. percent and, and and that is it. it. You know, it's not as 
you know, everyone go, oh, well, the Villa fans aren't moaning about it, but, but, but understandably, there's an element that live in London. Understandably, there's another element that wouldn't have come anyway that can now watch it on TV, so they're happy. But there's an argument to say that if you travel and you love travelling to watch your team and all of a sudden this has been taken away from you, you feel a little bit gutted, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I'm trying to get to that. Um, I'm just saying that But there's people that will fill in and say otherwise, and that's why, you know, the noise from Villa isn't, you know, isn't maybe as negative overall because because there may be some plus points um, for me look I, I, in terms of Boxing Day um, I'm quite lucky in, when it comes to football I'm not lucky when it comes to spending time with family um, because because normally my partner works on Boxing Day so so in terms of football for, you know it, it gives me the opportunity there's an argument that says oh double football I can go to, I can go to a non-league game at 3 o'clock and I can go to Brentford in the evening but you know what? I can't really be asked to go to Brentford in the evening. Boxing Day for me is going to a game in the afternoon. My mum and dad, are, in recent years, have become um, regulars at, at Brentford for the for the Boxing Day kickoff. Um, the first thing they said is they won't be coming in the evening. So, so, so you know that that's for sure. They'll probably come. They'll probably come to Hampton at three o'clock. So we'll probably go there. Will I get to Brentford at seven thirty in the evening? Uh, it's probably not high on my list of priorities over Christmas if I'm brutally honest with you I might get there um, I might not but I, I, I like you say I think there are some time slots that should basically be untouched I mean you know what is next is it Christmas Day but Christmas Eve has been stopped but I think the problem with Boxing Day is that the precedence has been set already certainly Newcastle played in this slot a year ago I think it was Sheffield Wednesday but someone correct me if I'm wrong so this this slot unfortunately the precedent has been set that this slot exists um, and that's probably where the real problem is is actually when did this slot start and why wasn't it stopped then much as Christmas Eve was well, like I said to you we've got a conversation Sean Harvey and all his crew in a, about a month's time and we hopefully will find out some more answers as like I said to you I'm going with a, a football supporters federation panel to, to meet the football league and talk about this it puts us in really new territory as well where we're kind of um, we've kind of got to consider the feelings of the armchair supporter you know there's a, there's a lot of fans at Aston Villa specifically that are probably quite relieved that it's been moved because it puts them in a position where they just can't go and they, they could have gone previously and it would have caused them a load of grief and now they're going there's absolutely no way I can go now that's what an absolute blinder and there's 1600 fans that will fill the space because they're, they're that big um, with us um, it's, a, it's a little different, um, you know. There are a, it's a huge swathe of our support are probably elderly, um, who it, it may not affect as much or um, or more. Um, and then there's like the kids, the you know the youth element that will just do what they want and they'd probably be happy to get out of the house. Um, but anyone with a family or anyone with a slightly extended family it puts them in a very awkward predicament. Um, you know, but it, 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 the arm, the armchair fans are um, because of social media now are becoming um, some a, a, a new faction that we have to kind of pander to. Really, beforehand we were saying if you don't go to games, then I don't care about you. And now the, these guys have got a voice. You know, you, you can't tell if people go or, or don't go on on Twitter or Facebook. You know, they they, they come up with their opinions, and you know if, if they say that it's a good idea because it helps them watch football on telly then, you know, really, are they any more or any less a fan than us that go? I, I say they're less of a fan, personally, but, 
you know, this, am I in, am I in the minority? I don't know anymore. So, this probably becomes the most unpredictable from a home perspective attendance in a season for me. I've no idea how many people will turn out for it. No, no. Like you'll get Villa will probably sell out because a massive club. How many Brentford fans are going to be there? Like you know, if it was three o'clock, you can probably nail, nail down there'll be eleven thousand in the house. Sell out, you know, eleven and a half, whatever it is. But for seven forty-five, eight thousand, seven. Maybe we tend still. I don't know. Maybe maybe there be, it would appeal to different people that I haven't quite factored in. But it's quite a, it's, it's, it's an unpredictable one, isn't it? It's a tough one. To, it was a really really tough one for the club to market this one. Uh, you know, it's um, it's under the floodlights, and you know, technically, it's a game that you would want you really want to be out. I don't I don't want to miss it. Um, but it's just like it's the awkward factor. Do I do I want to upset my family and and not be with them? Or do I want to be loyal and go to the game? It's a, it's a, it's a predicament. I don't, I don't know which way I'm going to go. Okay, well, I'm sure this will be discussed more in the next few weeks and we'll see what come out from that. But like I said to you, there's lots of discussions being had. And at the end of the day, um, listen, people very, very, very angry and upset uh, on the first, you know, on the first day when it's come out. But like I said to you, it's quite nice when you have a few days to pontificate on this. And as you say, there's a conversation that's been had around the table here, which we'd like to think is quite balanced and it's actually quite heartfelt as well. You're seeing on both sides as well. We don't want the club to miss out on any sorts of money. We don't feel that the club is at fault here. We, I mean, personally, I feel that it's the football uh, authorities and the football league who have not actually sorted the deal out and they're not thinking about the fans, not thinking about the clubs, but they're just actually just basically saying. You do what we say, and I think that's very, very unfortunate. But listen, there's one other thing as well we want to say to you, a little gossip and bits and pieces. Andy Scott, um, who was our ex-manager and has now become our chief scout, uh, it's been announced today that he has now got a job where he has now become the... Um, the he's, a, he's, he's, a technical, well, he's a technical director at, at Watford. Whatever that means. Whatever you know, so he's, 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 now, he's now rejoined, um, well, I say rejoined, Andre Gray. But he's the technical director at Watford. He's leaving Brentford. He's been at the head of recruitment since July 2016. So he's been head of recruitment for, uh, for a year. He was actually working for us for a year before that as a, as a scout. So he's actually been working for us for a couple of years. Um, they've done, done a lot of good work. Every, every person that I've spoken to and I've said to you, Andy, I've only actually ever met Andy. I mean, I've met a lot of people at the club. But I've actually only ever met him once. And it was at a, a hotel in um, Bradford as well. It was a, <laughs> so there's another one, yeah. So it's at a hotel Bradford. Bradford, in the year that we actually went up, and I remember there was Darren Powell and everything like that, and I booked into a hotel in Bradford with me and my family. We just started to go up to Yorkshire for the weekend, just as you do. Come at Bradford City, and then it'll come out, and the whole Brentford team was staying there. And Andy Scott was there, and I sort of kind of said hello to him, and I think he said hello back to me. And that's the only time we've actually had any words. There's like about two words that we said there as well. Um, and I think my daughter—that's her first game. She was about three months old as well. Um, yeah, she was born in November, so yeah, it's about March. So she's about three or four months old. I had three generations of bees there: me, my mum, and my daughter as well, which is which is wicked you know wouldn't happen on boxing day but we won't talk about that but anyway um <laughs> yeah so he was there but that's the only time i've met him but to be fair like i said andy's come back spent a couple of years been involved in a lot of business for brentford um florian joseph soon um he's been talking about um um, um, um ollie watkins i'm um, just bringing players in to, to brentford so he's been an integral part of brentford very enthusiastic about brentford and and, and, and i'd like to say to to, to andy as well he's he's like i said i don't know you personally as such but obviously done a good job 
he's got another gig elsewhere and he's moved on so fair play to Andy Scott and we wish you all the best in your new gig at Watford as we move on now we're coming back to talk about finally about the players the misfits for Brentford FC and there's a few more that have been flying up there the social media is going to be in a little bit mad like I said to you check on Besotted Facebook page and you can check that out and also on Twitter Effin Ikoku has come up as well like, oh you know um, yeah that's right that's Del Baker has come up with that one as well he's also talked about Mark McCammon Mark McCammon yeah Mark McCammon has come up in a, in a few places as well there's quite a few people who are very unhappy about the supermarket trolley like you know as they say yeah John Mackey Andy Moore as well come up with the supermarket trolley Mark McCammon um, it's a talk John Mackey um, Keith Walling has, has mentioned Callum Willock, who's the person who makes me want to cry, because Callum Willock was also brought in at the time. Who was it? It was, uh, it was uh, after uh, DJ Campbell DJ left. Campbell. DJ Campbell left, and he scored. Uh, uh, was it one goal or no goals? Uh, one of the two, anyway. And we never went up that season. Leon yeah, Leon Townsend. Yeah, Leon Townley. Town. Town, yeah, Leon Townley as well has been mentioned uh, as well. And like I said to you, there's a few more names. And like I said to you, there's a. Uh, there's all sorts of characters here. Joe Je- Amici has been mentioned a few times, but people are people people not happy about that. But Joe Amici was actually all right. I tell you something: who is um, the presenter? Tip Steve Claridge as well. Remember when he came there? He he, he had his socks down and that's right. And he, he just didn't really care at all. Like the old Claridge, did he? He did. He did. Liberal Nick. We're not sure about that actually. If he's going to be misfitting on the show next week, but we'll be finding out. What we'll be finding out when we put. The, put, put the klaxon out next week and see if this liberal Nick's going to be picking up the, the, the string you know because there's like there's no electricity down there so we've got to get the string out and he's going to put the can to his ear as well um, and there's also um, was it uh, was it Bettinio um, so, so a couple of people mentioned Bettinio who was the Portuguese player that we bought uh, which I think is a little bit unfair because the fact is that I cannot actually I can remember him People, oh, he came on for one game and he didn't really play, so I don't know if he's missed. Oh, actually, this is a really good one. This one, uh, all about Brentford. Mentioned Mike Grella. Oh, Mike Grella. He's a real, he's a real good guy. You know what I'm saying? But to be fair, Mike Grella went to. Yeah, he scored four goals against Bournemouth, and he went to the um, MLS and he plays for Red Bull. Yeah, he does. And when when I was in New York recently, um, I was chatting to some Red Bull fans who could not believe that he was a Brentford misfit. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. There, and, then, and, and as misfits as well, um, um, Bradley Wright Phillips is he a misfit as well? What do you reckon? You could put him in there. He didn't quite come off, did he? He was he was signed to get us promoted, and it didn't quite happen. Oh, yeah. So anyway, listen. Look, I said to you, we're going to be doing that. It's going to be um, about Harley Dean at Birmingham. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I think, yeah, as you sort of, sort of seamlessly put into it, obviously this is how the conversation has all started because of players moving elsewhere and not quite fitting in. But I also would say, to be fair to him, to Hotter and Colin, it's very early days because things might turn around at Birmingham um, in the next three or three or four months. They've only been there for a month or two and maybe if they sort it out, then it may be a different scenario altogether. I'm, I'm thinking of... I'm thinking of that um, that band T-shirt, the Misfits, that we could have in the uh, yeah, with Harley Dean's face underneath, his skeleton face. Maybe we should sell that in the uh, the. Anyway, let's we move on from that. Listen, listen, listen. This is the this is the besotted pride of West London podcast. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for subscribing to us. Thank you for giving us the comments. Thank you for checking us out. The social, just go into the um, besotted website, besotted.com, and just click on social. We'll have the tickets on sale hopefully within the next day.
or so, which is all good. We'll have some good news for you on that one as well. Our posters are almost uh, out and done. We've got A2 posters, which are almost out and done. They've all gone out um, in the last couple of days by courier, by the day. So hopefully she'll be with you. We've had a few problems logistically on that one as well. But other than that, everything is all good. We're having a chill-out weekend here. I'm chilling, we're all chilling, we're all chilling. Um, don't know what's going to be going on. At the end of the day, we are going to say, because we're very happy with our team, and we've done very well this week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.